But now it's totally different. Now they got a grand pay. Mm-hmm. Just like me. Oh, I, man, I wanted to say that, dude. I have a grand <laughs> pay. You set me up, homie. Damn, I have one too, guys. I have a harem too. We believe you. Okay, and I'm six foot tall and 15. <laughs> <laughs> it's like from the movie The Mask, dude. I was like, yo, it's some like The Mask type music. And then I'm like, oh, this shit was in The Mask. Yeah. Back before, uh, was it Jim Carrey? What's his name? That was Jim, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey before he turned it, like was revealed to be a reptilian. All right, so let's talk about the OP. Greetings, Earthlings. It's your host, Franny Pack, and I'm also from Earth, but I'm put myself above you because I have a harem. Who else we got here today? Wait, you got a harem? I have a harem. Sick. I, the Pink Menace, am personally jealous. Lego Pizza, watching respectfully. Spades wondering how the fuck you got a harem. <laughs> how the fuck don't I have a harem? Well... I, I, is that a rhetorical they, question? They, yeah, I mean, they just haven't revealed themselves to me yet. Oh, shit. That's the thing. Brilliant. Well, that's if that's why... the case, then I guess I might have one, too. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't go I wouldn't go that far, guys. But uh, yeah, maybe one day. Maybe I'll think my own reflection's attractive. No, I'm just kidding. That was kind of mean, huh, Spades? It's messed up, isn't it, Spades? <laughs> well, I mean, you, <laughs> you, you are the protagonist, and you're only 15 years old, so I Dude, guess... that's freaking right. <laughs> Damn. All right, so yeah, Tacked Up Destiny 2, Episode 2 Review, coming at you. And it's the boys. All, all We're all back, same crew. Mm-hmm. And shoot, man, Pink, you warned us. You said this is even better. This is really good. Was I wrong? You were right. Was I wrong, Lego? Nah, dude, you're right. This episode slapped. Spades, was I wrong? It, it's got potential to be in the top 20. All right, like so- as a whole? Like yeah. for for my my favorite, gotcha. I just gotta see how it keeps playing out. Wow, that's an early call, man. But I I get it. All right, so what's uh, it's just Studio Mappa took this one on. Yeah, so we found that out. So Madhouse was all episode one, mm-hmm. two all Mappa. Wonder if we're gonna go back and forth like that. That would be some nice symmetrical shit. That'd be cool. And you can't tell the difference in the animation style at all. They did a really good job no. of just making it seem like it's one studio doing the whole thing. It has me interested in seeing, like, uh, they do this again. They have fun doing it. If we see a lot of success from this. This is, like, this is just the two cool protagonist dudes coming together and, like, collaborating to take out a villain. That's my rival. It's like Austin, you know, versus Lick. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how this feels. And they're also having fun with it, too. You can just tell. Yeah, and the, there's contracts, and the employees are getting to know each other, and some might be working for both. They might be some employees that remain that are employed by both of them, waiting for more duo projects. It's exciting, man. So we got Mappa this time. Uh, just as stunning. Not yeah. much else to say about that. Uh, I got this little eh, synopsis. Uh, the anime corner 
website, an article written by Carla Carrion. All in all, I think Tactop Destiny Episode 2 is another amazing and strong episode. Last week, we got a great sequence of action and comedy. This week, we got to see a subtle but deep backstory to our protagonist. It's an emotional one, and it completely changes what I was thinking of their dynamic in Episode 1. And I think that was a, a good summary I wanted to mention that. Shout out, Carol. Thank you, Carol. Not you, Carol Baskin. <laughs> See, like, I don't know. Like, I didn't understand their relationship in episode one. But seeing it in episode two, I'm like, all right, it makes sense why they talk to each other like that. Dude's a hardcore shut-in. And this is... They, she doesn't seem the same, though. There is huge noticeable change in her, right? Yeah, I think... We'll, we'll cover more of that yeah. later. What I was getting at is the series composition. You know, you see that term floating around anime. I recently found out what that was. It, it's when they adapt something, the person who has that series composition role is the one who's in charge of what are we taking from these chapters and converting into anime and in what order. And I feel like that is something that's very unique and respectable so far. We've seen how they introduced us to these things and, and these relationships and these themes and these relationships at a certain time in episode one and then episode two we're starting to get the backstory like what carol said and the protagonist and everything like that i think it is a really good direction yeah it's interesting too because this isn't adapted from anything it's this an original, original. So, so it just gives the series composition position a little like different they have more free form ability to like move stuff around once they have like the story written of like when they want the audience to see it so that's probably what one of the big reasons why they did episode one where it's obvious that these people already know each other and have been working together and then you see episode two where you see a little bit of the backstory yeah and uh before we get any further i'll read the synopsis of episode two it all began 10 years ago d2 is attacking boston a blood-soaked concert hall hmm the incident known as the boston tragedy the conductor who lost his life in that tragedy was none other than kenji asihina tax father Oh, snap. So it says that right in the synopsis. Is that's kind of like a drop halfway through the the episode. No, that was like right at the beginning. You don't learn Tech's last name until halfway through the episode, though. Either way. Um, after losing his father, the boy decides to devote himself to playing the piano and let his rage play through his melodies. The one who took care of him was a girl named Cassette who looked just like Destiny. Okay, I see. That's the the Crunchyroll synopsis. Now, and it's, I've heard people talk about this before we even uh, got the anime released. They weren't sure if her name was going to be Cassette or Destiny. They've seen her referred to as both names. And I think by the end of this episode, we find out why. We'll yeah. definitely get into that. I also, I think this is a good place to put this in. <laughs> so I don't know if the listeners were paying attention to our conversation last week about the name of the show. But the name of the show, Tact Op Destiny. So we were trying to figure out what op meant. And it's actually opus. Because when composers write music, that's their opus. So like Symphony Number no. 5 is like opus number 5 or whatever. So the show is Tact Opus Destiny. Destiny is his opus. Oh. So he's comp like uh, maybe this Destiny, whoever she may be, uh, is like the corporeal form of his ambitions and his musical ambitions and like his composition. That's his, yeah, he's composing destiny. 
Damn, that's heavy. pretty deep. Yeah, I Pre- love it. Deep, deep, baby. Wow, on some galaxy brain stuff. I got the music featured in episode two. What we had Beethoven's piano sonata number eight, op thirteen, opus thirteen. Mm-hmm. Pathetique, pathetique. That's that's the one, and we'll get into that. Uh, Tchaikovsky's piano concert number one in B flat minor. And op- Opus 23 piano renditions of Take a Train and Sing, Sing, Sing with a Swing. And many more, actually. And Pink, you were like, I, call, I was talking to Pink on the phone. I'm like, yo, when you're heading over. He's like, I'm just going to have an existential crisis while listening to Sing, Sing, Sing again. I'm Dude. like, what is that? And then uh, five minutes later, I looked it up. The music in this anime. I'm like, oh, it's an anime. He's making a reference. Yeah. I love that song. I love that type of music. So, like, when I heard that on piano, I'm like, because I, I also like when people take like covers of something and do them on a whole different instrument or something that's not the same as the original. And sing, sing, sing on piano was a that was a treat. Yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah, it's like from the movie The Mask, dude. I was like, yo, it's some like The Mask type music. And then I'm like, oh, this shit was in the mask. Yeah. Remember the greats, man. Never forget them. Back before, uh, was it Jim Carrey? What was his name? That was Jim, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey before he turned, like, was revealed to be a reptilian. All right, so we're talking about the OP. <laughs> <laughs> you Whoa. What was that? Explain that after the pod, but keep going. Keep going. All right, we get an OP. We get an OP, we get an official OP reveal, and god damn, bro, the music, the animation, oh! Yo, I I fucking look at Pink, and I was like, they're not gonna give us the OP again, and then they just fucking smacked us in the face with it. Yeah, like, within, like, five seconds after you said it. And it seems to be debuting some extra characters that seem to be Music Heart and Maestro duo Mm -hmm. teams because they're showing all these characters in pairs and they're all one male and one female yep Yep. so i think hell is a music art hell is a music art and we also saw her um maestro Maestro and man i'm happy about that if you know i like them cocky snotty very adamant confident blonde characters you know what I'm talking about? Like McGillis yeah. and, you know, you know, like it. Gilgamesh. Just, yeah. Gilgamesh fan, of course. You that's are. what this, that's the, his archetype. I'm calling it. Oh, uh, Lelouch's older brother. I, what? Uh, what? what? Lelouch. He's not blonde. Yeah, he is. The older brother? Lelouch. I don't remember L- a brother. I don't remember that either. He's like one of the other, like, the oh, prince. yeah, in the beginning, he, he was like the first to be ass assassinated. Yeah. I don't know, just remind no, me. No, no, you're right. You're right, actually. He's just a very forgettable character in Code Geass. It's like when the, one of the first arcs of the first season. Okay, but... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, I guess. Hell looks fucking amazing in that OP, dude. She looked great. Like I said, just a yandere scary. black rose from Dot Hack. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. She looks uh, kind of scary. And uh, in the OP, it says character designs by Lamb, L-A-M. And I, I sent you a little thing of that. Mm-hmm. He's illustrating, or whoever Lamb is, is illustrating a manga called, what was it called? Uh, hounds and, I forgot the other Witches part. and Hounds? Yeah. Witch and Hound, or Witches and Hounds. And holy smokes. Did, go in the Discord real quick and look in the creative That's thing. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. And look at, uh, this guy's, 
remember we were talking about how great the character designs were last episode? I mean, it makes sense. This guy is makes sense, doing yeah. some sick, like, Cockatoo Witch and Hound. That and is it's publishing now. I don't, we have no much more information on it. But this guy, Lamb, worked in graphic design at Atlas on projects such as Persona 5, also just legendary character yeah. designs. Yep. Before becoming a freelance illustrator, working as a freelancer, he has contributed craft essence illustrations to Fate Grand Order. Working on a TV commercial for the Art and Engineering Training College, HAL, and done work on the arcade rhythm game Waka by Marvelous, or WACCA. His distinctive drawing style has gained a lot of gained a lot of overseas fans, and he'll show a live drawing at Anime NYC on November 19th to 21. So we can go, baby. Pretty dope. I'd be down. Let's see how much. Let's see if this guy, Lamb, steals our hearts enough. Wins our hearts over with music. What else would you use? It, you know? And we get an ED, too. So. I really, really like the ED. I really, really like the OP more than the ED. But the I ED really was. On that. It was somber. Uh, it was very fitting for the ending of this episode. And. Yeah. It's by Mika Nakashima, and guess what? She sang the OP to Darling and the Franks. What is it called? Uh, Kiss, Kiss of, of Death. Death. Yeah, she, dude, remember else we talked about that though, the Darling and the Franks episode? You know what's funny? I still don't like that song. I didn't like it at first, and then it grew on me so much, it's like, I absolutely adore it, and I love it. It's one of my favorite OPs of all time, honestly. It's up there for me. I mean, not a giant list, but it's up there. So, yeah, we got the OP and the ED officially did not disappoint at all. I think they debuted the OP like a week, like shortly after the first episode, too, just separately. Um, voice acting, just overall, I got to mention again, it's just impressing the hell out of me, especially paired and combined with this OST, this music in the background. Yeah. It's just, it's just like a higher quality, a whole nother level, it seems like. Like, My, it doesn't feel forced. Anything out of any character's mouth is so smooth. It almost feels like they're like just using like better equipment or something. And that might be the case. My favorite like song that wasn't a, like a piece of music that they played, like physically played, like tacked or anyone, was the music behind, in the very beginning, when the like symphonic people were coming in and there was like the grand maestro doing his speech uh there's like this choir music in the background it's super angelic almost like halo sounding and it was just so ominous so like you just knew that these people were important they're gonna talk about something crazy yeah another just like basic ost thing that i just stuck with me as well without even me writing it down is when they were having the conversation in the garage when cassette brings the flyer about the symphonica to him and it's like some like cheery kind of jazzy music I, I, the shit weren't with her especially her voice actress i'm like ooh, and then anna comes in the greatest voice actress that we've ever witnessed here on training arc podcast elena freaking bofurry maple yeah yeah so Oh, I, I just have to shout that out. I'm going to probably do it every episode. But, all right, we get that opening scene, yo. All right, so we know that the setting was September 3rd, 2047 in the first episode. And now we learn, I mean, we kind of did get the understanding with how the characters were introduced that we're getting thrown in the middle of something because this opening scene opens up, what is it, uh, October 13th, 2037, 10 years prior 
Why are you smiling at me like that? Uh, I don't worry about it. You, okay. Don't worry about it. I'm I'm not scheming. And this gives like a really proper setting, world building, S- start of a character backstory, detail to the plot, like everything a second episode needs. Like that first episode, I like the approach they did. They uh, comedy had a lot of comedy, had a lot of flashy stuff, plenty of action, and none of that was in the second episode. But they're both both fantastic for different reasons, and like this is what we needed. Yeah, the plot, the backstory of the characters, the beginning of the relationship. Yeah, give I'd... the viewer a lot of questions and then answer a bunch in the second episode while also providing more questions. Yeah, to oh, keep yeah. them hooked. Yeah, so there's a quick scene of little baby child tact, hold, shaking his dad on some Lion King shit. You know what I'm talking about? He's like, yeah. Wake up, dad! Don't be dead. There's like debris all over him. He's bleeding. He's dead. And then, what, what, you guys say something, maybe? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, it goes to some dude, military-looking politician, maybe, type dude-looking, giving a speech at a funeral service in the streets of a ruined town. And this, we soon find out later, towards the end of the episode, this is Grand Maestro Sagan. Yeah. Motherfucker. Features Anna and possibly her sister, probably her sister, a little girl looks just like her, in the crowd, as well as child tact playing piano in his no, garage crying. Sister. Yeah, I just, yeah, sister. I just said sister. I thought said, yeah, my bad. And uh, she's smaller than her, so it, we don't know. Yeah, maybe she's like that older but smaller because she's just got uh, Kawhi syndrome or something like that. Uh, but yeah, and the show's tact playing piano in the garage at, at during his father's funeral. Yeah. Given all these foreshadowing clues, so that makes sense. That's like sounds about what a child would do if they were a piano prodigy and their father died. And you know, His fucking crying. He's also a musician too. Yeah, uh, he quotes: "Music is the light that shines upon people's hearts." Or the another translation is: "Music is the light that illuminates all people." And this is a quote from Tax Dad, aka Asahina. Yeah, Maestro Asahina. Yeah, that um. This uh, politician military guy was quoting as he's pretty much speaking about his eulogy. He also says, we must never repeat the tragedy that happened today. So this all happened today. Only the music art are capable of controlling the music power that we wield. Music is a poison that is far too potent for our current world. And I thought that was pretty cool because they're in the past right now. Yeah, and he's not wrong either. And it seems like this may have been... The tragedy, the catastrophe, not necessarily when those black meteorite two fell, but when the D2 showed themselves or made the first attack, or they found out that it's because of music. Yeah, it was the point where it got so bad that they had to outlaw music, because that's what that whole shebang was. Yes, did we find? Do we find out now or later on? Oh no, I think it said it in the synopsis, but no, he he Tax says father, the... I, I, Asahina, he was performing. A huge concert that morning or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they like, flash back to the concert. Yeah, because he's, he's dead on the stage. Yeah, and you see images, like, when Tack was, like, looking at, like, remembering him fondly. You see, like, images flashing in the screen of the maestro conducting an orchestra. Yeah, so now that we know, because we're talking about it on the podcast, this is Tack's father. Tack's also an Asahina, and Asahina was a legendary, respected... Swimmer, right? It's <laughs> a dog and romper reference. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, composer. So. 
Uh, I googled Asahina, and yo, he's a real composer out of freaking Japan, dude. Really, I didn't know that. He was born in Tokyo as an illegit as an illegitimate child of Kaiche Watanabe. He found the concert. He founded the Kansai Symphonic or- Orchestra. That sounds important and prominent. Uh, today, the Osaka Philharmonic Orchestra in 1947 and remained its chief conductor until his death. He received the government's medal with the Purple Ribbon in 1969. He was awarded the Person of Cultural Merit Prize in 1989 and received the Order of Culture in 1994. He was honored with the Japan Academy of Arts Award in 1976. His son, the real Asahina, just like Tag, his son, Asahina's eldest son, Chitaru, 58 at the time, who is also a conductor, led the orchestra in a performance of Beethoven 7. Symphony Number no. Seven. Asahina chose this piece to be performed at his funeral service. So there goes. That's why we're seeing so much Beethoven in the jump. Wow. See, these references are running deep. Yeah, it's Holy shit! It's making me fall in love with this anime more and more. Actually, me and Lego were even looking up the the dates. Like it's like October sixteenth, August sixteenth, two thousand forty-seven. We're like, all right, let's Google all. August 16th music and see like if there's like someone's birthday or something happened but we couldn't find anything I was just about to ask I think get your mind blown the fuck open uh yeah so there's some direct musical inspiration or homage at least I can't wait to find more and he says this military politician dude now that we know is what uh maestro Sagan general grand maestro oh I think he said general maestro no grand maestro he says, uh, music is a double-edged blade. It can lead to their destruction, but also summons destruction, pretty much. And that they, the Symphonica, have created the music heart to combat the D2. So this might as very well be the announcement that he's like, we have we came have up weapons. with a way to fight. Yeah, Let's go yeah. to war. Yeah, he basically is like, these are the only people that are allowed to play music from now on, because we can't trust y'all. Then, boom, we get another opening scene. This time in 2041. So this is four years later. And we only know this because d- during this time, this, l- this particular flashback, uh, Cassette says four years ago is when Sagan, Sagan's declaration, she said, when he made that declaration that we just saw in the scene before. So yeah, I did all in love for any back investigation. Free of charge, people. Wow, thank you. So yeah, so it should be... Uh, 2041 right now or something like that what was that don't matter but yeah it, it, it's a little confusing with the time stamp with the time settings and the time skips uh i familiar reminds me of uh, 86 and that really threw me off how many different flashbacks and dates would pop up on the screen took me a while to catch up i did get it eventually this one still confusing delivered it much better smoother like i didn't have to kill myself trying to do all these dates uh tack jamming so there's just Tack jamming the piano in a secure soundproof room. I soon learned that uh, it's a garage, and he's living a very otaku life- lifestyle ever since his father's death, perhaps. Yeah, that was rough to see. So like, he's like a shut-in prodigy otaku pian- pianist. Mm-hmm. Uh, a what now? Pianist. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I've waited so long to make that reference. Holy shit. And I said a voice. Here, pee in this. Uh, cassette comes in looking casual, different, right away. 
Like, I remember uh, you were telling me, like, like, is this his little sister that, like, Cassette yeah. reminds him of? But, like, I didn't even think it was Cassette, because the, even just the way she walked was different. Yeah, a lot of different things about that. We'll definitely explore that in a little bit. But she comes in to clean his room because he's otaku, and he doesn't do that. He just does what's important, which is play piano or, like, play Call of Duty, whatever your thing is. Because uh, he's a bummy prodig- prodigy shav- savage, dude. And uh, with that kawaii, spunky attitude, she says she won't distract him from his jam session. She's just in here to clean like she does every week. Five seconds into cleaning, she starts vacuuming his shirt, and he bugs out. And she says, well, I have to start with the dirtiest thing in the room. All serious like that? Yeah. She's an adorbination. She is. Precious child. Like, the, everything I've noticed about her in this episode, I'm like, oh, man, smiles we need to protect. Right there. Yeah, the smile. Her smile was it was referenced exactly by mm-hmm. Anna twice during the anime. I've read that in a few reviews. People love her smile. It's really precious. It's like that smile of like, yeah, I know I'm annoying, but like everyone adores me. Must protect at all costs. Yeah. Yeah, they're all sitting down eating together. So they come to Tag's house to check in on him. Yeah, like Anna once a week in cassette. Seems. Yeah. And uh, we hear another shut. Like right away when they're sitting down talking. I'm guessing this is going to be a reoccurring thing if she's going to continue. Honestly, to... I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. And it's always Cosetto. And, and and even Tactu. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she got a great accent. Tact and Anna are, uh, they're on that brother and sister bickering type shit right now, which is really cute. It's not annoying. Yeah. I can't even see it getting old, but I don't got to worry because I know it's going to develop. Especially if you keep getting, uh, I don't think we're going to get more time skips, but they've been doing it good so far. It's hard to do. I guess it's easier with an original. I I hope it doesn't keep with time skips, because that shit's confusing. Well, I don't think it will, because isn't this one month before the first episode? One of the parts is. The, the ending oh, part. that's that's later. This, there's okay. like four different time skips in this. I didn't yeah. even I didn't even notice that. I thought like all of this was at once. So like, the first episode was after all we're getting right now. Right, right, right. Um, the opening scene ten years ago with the right. uh, with the funeral and where it all started. This is four years later. What we're talking about right now. Gotcha. Okay, so I had I had assumed that once it transitioned after like the speech, that the rest of that time part was just all the same. Yeah, this is so that's I didn't realize that. That's this is my key investigation stuff free of charge. This is where it comes in, where you still don't have to pay me yet. It's okay. I'll tip you. Uh, what the fluff? What the fluff was the boy, Franny P? Um, damn! Now a distraction. I definitely got to give him a big tip. Yo, tip me. Uh, Anna says to Tact, my parents, as well as our little sister Lottie, said they could never face your late father if anything were to happen to you. So there's a lot of important parents in this show that we don't know about yet. We know Tact's father's deceased, mother might not exist. Uh, that's just a classic anime thing, where yeah. one parent's good enough. Um. Uh, you find out because Yusuke's mom. Uh, in a scene very, very shortly after, we find uh, our cassette's mother is passed away as well, and now Anna's referencing her parents that obviously know something about Tact and his parents. So it kind of makes me start thinking, like, who is Anna? Like, are they? Why are they checking in on Tact? You know, someone's pulling strings, or Anna, in fact, knows something. You know what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. Which also brings up the fact that they're going to new york so like there might be something more to it that 
needs to be explored. During this conversation, while they're conversation, oh my goodness, while they're eating, they reference Anna says we might have to move to New York soon. We're thinking about it pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Which signifies right there, like, yo, this is in the past, even though we didn't get a a time for that. So it's cool that they put that in there. And then uh, there's the traveling symphonica group. Circus type jam that were introduced to. All right, Cassette interrupts Tax daydreaming while he's playing to inform him that the traveling symphonica group is coming to town finally. And it seems like this is some sort of like government organized holiday troupe almost that travels the country and plays music with like music card guards to ensure safety, just so like people can get to can vent almost like a pressure valve. Like we know we asked you guys not to play music anymore, so what we're gonna do was roll around city to city. All with armed guards play music for you. So you. That was my impression. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's exactly what that's I thought. That's what too. I thought as well. Honestly, you saying it that way makes a lot more sense to me. Uh, it's like a traveling carnival, food stalls, dancing, and plays. Uh, a day where everyone can let loose. Then that's coming from Cassette's mouth. Uh, Cassette interrupts Tax daydreaming while playing the piano to let him know about this. Bang, 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 bang. So it's basically like uh the music cart frontier. Mm-hmm. Just like the freaking seasonal frontier, dude. Just going around, saving the earth. Uh, it's his chance to let the people hear his music outside. She's very excited for this. Uh, it's been four years since the Sagan Declaration. That's when I. That's when my investigation started. Detective Lagoshi. Sagan helped lay the groundwork for two... Oh, shit. Okay, and then I'm like, yo, what is Sagan? Let me Google this, bro. Sagan now we know... Or Saxon guns. I can't play. I can't blame you for that one. So yeah, we now know he's a general, Grand Maestro Sagan. And Sagan, the actual Sagan, helped lay the groundwork for two new scientific disciplines: planetary science and exobiology, or the study of potential life on other planets. Kind of relevant. He co-founded and served the first president of the Planetary Society, an organization dedicated to inspiring and involving the public in space exploration. He, Sagan, oh, the Sagan standard is a neil, neologism, abbreviating the aphorism that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You might have heard that before. Yep. Or E-C-R-E-E, agree. Uh, locals are allowed to enter and play in this traveling symphonica event holiday circus type thing, but tact isn't too confident about it and i wonder why let's get into it uh the only ones that have heard me play piano are you and anna there's no guarantee that my music can reach the hearts of others it's not just about the technique i can't see it reaching anyone in a world that has abandoned music so i don't want to play damn i i get like when he said that i was like damn i really i really get where you're coming from yeah we he's actually like opening up for like the first yeah. time i think personally a world without music is a world without spades damn spades getting deep now on us too <laughs> is that a tear <laughs> oh my god so a little later on tact hears someone playing the piano when he's like uh going to the bathroom uh it was cassette dude she thought he was in the bath uh, definitely a memorable song. I wrote that at the time, and then they actually tell us what it was a little later on. I didn't have to Google. Um, he's like, what the hell? You play piano? Uh, why are you playing that song? And she, uh, said, my, my late mother taught me. So, like, dude, she got a deceased mom. Just like Tag, dude. 
She grasps her necklace when she says this, and it's like a mysterious type of stone or crystal wrapped in like some rope. Notice that? Yeah. Uh, we were allowed to play music back in France. She's French. I mean, her name, Cosette. Oh, snap. Sounds so French, and it made so much sense when she said that to me. I was like, oh, okay. I thought they were going, like, just musical-wise. Like Like a cassette tape? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought, too. Is it confirmed that cassette is not actually related to Anna? We don't know yet. Yeah. Because it's weird. Yeah. I feel like if she talks about her mother out of context like this and not being in France, and then Anna's like, my parents are in New York... Like I feel like there's got to be did, did they got to be not blood related. They're just siblings by bond. Anna kind of led on to that episode one too, though. Did she mention her parents? Only, I thought it was only her sisters in New York. Yeah, she only mentioned her sisters. Well, no, Anna. you you I mentioned something. You mentioned earlier that she was saying like my parents would never let me, uh, yes, like face your wouldn't be able to face your father if anything happened to you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I, I believe when she said that my sisters and I don't know, she said my parents as well as our sister, and I don't. Gotcha. And she was talking too tact, but I think she. So we don't know. They're, they're freaking. They're getting yeah. confused. Not, they're, this is what our they want sister. us to do, bro. What if Anna and Tact are siblings? No, that doesn't make it. Dude, nah. come on, bro. That's supposed to be the ship, Spades. <laughs> Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> no, the ship is tacked in cassette. Remember that funny video? It's like, uh, what what are you reading? Uh, what's the anime you got there? And the guy in the interview is like, uh, it's uh called Brother Sister. Oh, what's it about? <laughs> yes. oh, my uh, it's about a uh brother and a sister that uh, <laughs> and then he's you know, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a funny ass video, man. That yeah, guy's crazy. I've seen that. Yeah, come on, spades, dude. Yeah. We're... What is this? No game, no life. No, come on, don't diss no game no life either, man. <laughs> no, 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 that is a fucking great anime. It is, dick, yo! One of the greatest anime movies as well, underrated. Yeah, I really, I really shit and slept on that for so long. Yeah, dude, that ain't your bed, bro. It's an anime. No. <laughs> it's an... We don't sleep on anime here. Oh, man, we're killing it. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so, um, both have deceased parents, dude. Shoot. Uh, so it's been three years since you played Taxad, and she said, nope. Oh, happy. I still play sometimes, right here, while you're in the bath. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Kills it. Sneaky little girl. He said, why are you playing Patetique? And then I'm like, hmm, let me Google it. It was written in 1978. Uh, pardon, 1798, when Beethoven was only a 27-year-old Chad. Published in uh, 1799, the work is commonly named Pathetique due to the tragic and expressive nature of his music. This style of composition contrasted with the balanced phrasing of Mozart and Haydn's music. The term sonata form, the term sonata form relates to the structure of the composition. Pathetique is believed to have been picked by the composer himself. To convey the romantic and even sorrowful mood of, of Sonata. This is all foreshadowing. Called the Passionate Symphony by the composer, it was mistranslated into French after his death. Interesting France, dude. Uh, arning the title by which it became henceforth known, Pathétique, meaning evoking pity. Oh, interesting. I was thinking maybe wow. that was like the French word for pathetic. 
I, I was know, like, right? that's yeah. a weird name. Pathetic. I would know that. Close it's my, enough. It's my catchphrase, man. Pathetic. Is that because you're always alone on Saturday nights? And then she said, yeah. yeah. Honestly, I think I know how Beethoven felt when he wrote this song. This is what Cassette said. And he said, why? And she said, apparently, we aren't allowed to play any songs that the Symphonica didn't prepare. Like, what if this was the end? So she's saying, like, what if this is, like, the last concert and we're not even allowed to play what we want to play? That's what I thought she meant at first. I'm like, okay, that is pitiful. That is pity. That is tragic. But shoot, man. Then she goes on and she says, the first, as she's playing, she's playing the piano. They're sitting next to each other. It's freaking beautiful. The first movement in Pathétique is the current despair we live in. The third movement gives us a little bit of hope. And the second movement that ties them both together is love, bro. That's what freaking, what's that bear's name? From B-Stars. Riz? That's what Riz needed, dude. That's what Lagoshi was telling Riz and B-Stars. Oh, my God. Needed love, dude. You didn't need to eat your boy. You just needed love. That's what you took away from that quote? And she said, that's what my mother used to say. So, dude, we're getting some shit this episode. They yeah. changed, And she said they changed their tone as soon as she mentioned the piano to the symphonic, uh, whatever, symphonica. Yeah, to the... Um... So, I'm like, hmm, Why? Like, why were they scared of the piano? Like, why did they say no? And I was just like, ah, maybe they're going somewhere with that. Uh, you know, you heard of me at first. Uh, Tact says, there's no way we will be approved if we drop the name Asahina. So maybe that has to do with the piano or whatever. But we find out that's, in fact, the reason why they're allowed to play. So uh, Grandmeister Sagan might have something to do with it because he makes an unexpected arrival. Um, yeah. So Anna and Tack discuss cassette shortly after this uh, little, like, re- revelation that Tack made. Like, oh, you play music. Oh, you know about stuff. Like, oh, you're choosing to play this somber, interesting song. I wonder why. Super interesting, bro. Uh, she said, so you knew cassette could play the whole time, huh? And you didn't tell me, Anna? Uh, she said, isn't she great? She's always cheerful and positive. She may be a bit pushy, but she is caring and kind. And she's got a cute smile. Honestly, I'm jealous. She may want attention from me sometimes, but it's not the same. The only one who can make her happy and smile so naturally without a care in the world is you, Tact. I'm like, dude. See, yeah. Anna's, For now. Anna's trying to push Tact and Cassette together. I'm calling it. You literally called. Well, she knows. I'm, I'm, yeah, I already said it. I think she knows. She might know some shit. Uh, Tact responds like a tsundere. Of course, just oblivious. Oh, he is per- such a cinder. Classic protagonist. He's like, huh? Uh, and then Anna drops a fucking bomb right here, dude. When there's truly no one left to hear you play, will you still be able to play the piano? And then walks out. Like, hit drops some shit on him to digest for a little while. It's like, yeah, keep acting like that, dude. You, you know, she's helping him grow. Just mm-hmm. sensei shit to at his finest, really. And, um,. Her describing cassette right there, I thought was a very interesting insert. Just like oh, and something in episode one that we thought was weird that they animated, but they still did anyway when she lifts the piano up. You remember that conversation? I'm yeah. like, I don't know why they put that scene in there, but I'm glad they did. And there's a reason why in this episode. I'll tell you that in a little bit. But her describing cassette, uh, what did she say? Cheery, positive, got a great smile, very kind, caring, considerate, uh, doesn't seem like the the cassette that we 
we're introduced to in episode one, does it? Definitely no. not. That is some more foreshadowing. So, I, dude, the writing, bro? The writing in the original anime? Dude, the ceiling is just so high. I'm just it's, starting to realize yeah. this. Uh, okay, so that's... And then that's the end of that time skip. So I think we're done with Tax House. You know, the couple years after his father passed and he lives in there by himself and they're going to check in on him. Yeah. This is the last of that so far that we have seen. So August 16th, 2047... Oh, and might I add, when she brought the the flyer for the Symphonica thing, she's like, "Look, it's coming to town. This is t- in four years or two years. Like, there's uh, like I six said, years, yeah, that's the next time skip, many years. Uh, so it gave me the impression like this may be like a government funded thing. Like, like we'll be in Cleveland in uh 2021. Uh, by the time we make it to Sacramento, it'll probably be 2024. Like, there's set dates. Yeah. So. Now it's the date of the Symphonic is here, dude. Skips right to that, man. So a truce was called in 2043, two years after the flashback at Tax Otaku Fei's house. And that explains why the poster said 2047. So they didn't give us the date during that flashback at his house, the Otaku State, him mourning, but it dropped like fucking five different hints, which I thought that was cool. Or not even hints, just letting us know. Uh, the Symphonica Music Fest- Musical Festival is here. It has arrived in our town, and, we- and it introduces at- with an announcer saying, It has been four years since the GM Sag- Sagan called the truce. The threat of the D2 is not completely gone, but we are heading towards restoration without fail. Tack wakes up, and then Tack wakes up to his piano missing from his garage. Bro, his face. Even Anna's like, man, I wish I saw his face. Oh, man. She was so right. That was priceless. And in place of the piano is a Symphonica poster uh, yeah. with a note from Cassette written on it saying, um, uh, what does it say? Attack will play the piano today at 6 p.m. <laughs> Just so cute. <laughs> Love it. Not giving him a choice. Uh, and that explains the lifting the piano scene that we saw in episode one. There was a reason for that. They're showing that she's able to do that. That was so sweet. That's freaking amazing. Yeah. See, like, I, when it first disappeared out the garage, I was like, how did they do that? And then, it like, when I watched it the second time today, I'm like, has she just always been able to lift pianos? Oh, yeah, because she doesn't have the power yet. Exactly. I, was gonna say, I don't think. I didn't even notice that. Exactly. Like, I think that they just called someone in, but they didn't show you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, like, but still. I don't still... think she's the one who did it because she doesn't have. She's just a, a normal person right now. I, I feel like if that's the case, the symphonic came to pick up the piano. No way. Maybe. See maybe. She dropped the Asahina name and they're like, yeah, let's go. Oh, yeah, go. we'll totally take your piano. And, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. I think it's that just makes way more sick sense. symbolism foreshadowing regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. The writing was sequenced that way on purpose. I mean, I, it, it made did, us talk about it, right? It like, did it that's good. how you know it's a good writing is we're talking about it right now afterwards. Yeah, it was tantalizing in my brain sphere. Um, Oh, uh, well, okay. So, uh, Cassette explained she couldn't get approval to perform by the town committee, but went over their heads and got an immediate approval from the Symphonica, which made me go, hmm, again. Like, yeah. Has she have the connection to the Symphonica? Yeah. Or, like, what did she say? Or who did she mention? Or who did she talk to in order to get this immediate yes when the town committee and the rules prior were understood that, like, it wasn't going to happen? You have to play what we want, and you can't do the piano. But now it's totally different. Now they got a grand pay. Mm-hmm. Just like me. 
Oh, man, I wanted to say that, dude. I have a plan B. You set me up, homie. Damn, I have one too, guys. I have a harem too. We believe you. Okay, and I'm six foot tall and 15. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's tax. Oh, man, this is me. This is Franny Pack. Oh, she's tax biggest fan. She's tax biggest fan, tax biggest supporter, and it seems like she's tax only friend. And he hasn't realized any of this yet. Nope. And nope. that's really sad once you uh, see the rest of the episode. Cause, and it's been like this for years. Yeah. I mean, the time skips. So uh, Grand Maestro unexpectedly arrives at this festival, and this is when his name was revealed. And you're like, oh, he was the guy in the beginning speaking at the funeral. Yep. Oh, he was the guy referenced in episode one in the diner. Alongside him is Hell's Maestro, which we're assuming from the OP them being featured together. That's what I thought too. And he's that cocky fancy blonde dude, bro, with a lot of spunking attitude. Yo, he's up to something. Mark my words. Oh man. Did you notice how they like slanted the word take good care? No, I didn't. Yeah, he said take great care of the keeping people. these people safe around here. And he's like looking off in the distance on the sides. That's interesting because yeah. I my immediate assumption is that they were there to protect the people. They were wow. the the all hot shot all star music car conductors. Yeah, they're the guards, right? But he he said that to someone else. I'm like, wait a minute, aren't you supposed to? I thought you were gonna uh, protect. Maybe that was one of his subordinates, perhaps. Yeah, I think he's the political guy, and then his subordinates are the guards, right? Like he's there to be the the face to like make everybody happy and feel like the government's doing their job. That guy's face and his attitude. I don't. No, I don't know, that's Sa- too much to assume at this Sagan point. Sagan is. That's but, what I'm saying. Sagan. Oh, Sagan. Oh yeah, I thought you're talking about the the blonde guy that oh, we were talking bad. about my but bad. this blonde guy definitely seems to be his right hand man in some sort yeah um so they came i'm like they they, they probably came to see tact play mm-hmm. if i had to guess uh they may even in fact obviously they do but they knew his father he might have been right up there in their ranks who knows or Oh, no, he did it because I think he died during the attack. This yep. is some shit. We, we got questions, bro. So Cassette stalls to give Tack time to arrive. Tack never said he was going. All she did was leave a note, and she's like, he will come. I know he will come. And everyone's like, eh, I don't know. And it goes to get him, and she's going to stall for him. Yep. No, which Cassette's faith in him is just truly unremarkable. It's it's remarkable. She's it's his biggest fan, bro. Yeah. So, like, she plays the piano. In front of everybody and stalls. It's that sad ass song again. Might be the first time she's performed in any, in front of anyone. Probably. Besides, obviously, her mother who taught her and that that reveal that she did with tact. Mm -hmm. Right. So she says she's like super. She was super nervous when he shows up. She's like so happy that he got there. And I I don't even think she was nervous for herself. She was nervous for him. Mm. And uh, it just shows he was nuts. She didn't even hesitate. She's like, gotta do what I gotta do. I gotta stall for my maestro. I have faith mm-hmm. in my maestro. Like, god damn it, dude. You don't need a harem. The whole harem is in her. It's in her heart. <laughs> I got a harem in my heart. Dude, that's a hook. That's a song. All right, so the rap album dropping in 2047. <laughs> <laughs> Only gotta wait 26 years. So he arrives right on time and makes, for, and makes some remark about her song choice cassette is that fit for this isn't fit for a festival in a charming way of course he wasn't yeah. being a dick but he's still being a dick but being the charming dick i got one of those i know lego i know you got one of those and uh <laughs> you know i have a charming dick come 
on, man. They get it. You didn't got to say it. God yeah, it's damn. It's always funny when someone explains the joke, right? So, wait. But do you notice what he does when he shows up there? Like how he came in with that, that Beethoven, that dun, 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 dun. It was yeah. the same thing she did to interrupt his music before, oh, too. Oh, that's a cute little thing. Yeah. I, I missed that. That's dope. I caught that. I was like, oh, snap. Yo, they got a dude. I'm so excited for the relationship. This show is going to be good. They're like two halves of like one whole incompetent person. This show is going to be good. I can't talk about it yet. I want to get to the part, but god damn, dude. It just teases something so magical, so so much potential to grow. You can't wait. And then at the end, it's like, yeah, you might never see this. It, it, the part of the show is, is definitely to get that back, that magic they had together. I, I We'll talk about it very soon. Um, but yeah. This is the second time he, you know, with the pathetique and then this song at the festival. He's He points out that she plays rather sad, somber songs for someone who's so cheery and positive. Yeah. Which, and I'm like, huh, like perhaps, like, uh, there's a reason for this contrast. Like, she, she's outwardly very positive, but she expresses, like, how she really feels, the deepness inside of her, like, through her music. Yeah, I mean, you're in, like, an apocalypse. Even if you're as cheerful as you can be on the outside, I'm sure you're, on the inside, still terrified of the state of the world. And Kind of reminds me of the my favorite girl from Ty, uh, Tiger, Palm Top Tiger. What is the show called? Oh, uh, Toradora. Toradora, the purple-haired girl, the red-haired girl that's oh. extremely cheery and positive all the time, but you know that, like, she has like a dark family, like uh, dynamic that we don't find out about. Yeah, Toradora is like a fever dream to me because I, I like watched it and was falling asleep to it for a while. Like I never actually watched it's it that through, jam. through. It's a good one for that. But yeah, all right. So perhaps tact is is the opposite of this. I mean, I don't know this yet, but he seems to be outwardly bitter and negative. Oh, yeah. uh, but his music seems to hit and doesn't seem to be sad all the time. I don't know. Might be jumping the gun on that one. But there's definitely something interesting about Cassette's music choice and versus her personality. And I, I pay attention to tax. Maybe it'll uh, be symmetrical. Uh, or maybe he can just read the room better. Because he's a <laughs> fucking prodigy. Yeah. Like Cassette's like a happy-go-lucky dummy. I, I feel the, there's a quote that always resonates with me. The most de- depressed people have the brightest smiles. So, Cassette could really just be depressed and then, like, being outward happy because she doesn't want people to know that she's depressed type of deal. I might be going a little, little psychology, psychotic, or not psychotic, uh, psychological. Yes, psychotic. Yes. You little said bit, it right. Uh, but I feel like if that's the case, then you hear to, heard it here first. You heard it here first, over here in my seat, not yours. Why not my, my seat? Bed, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm being too mean to space today. I'm sorry. But all right, so Tack plays some, surprisingly, to the point, to my point, he plays some lively music to get the festival jumping. Oh, yeah. He brought out the pudding pops. <laughs> he brought out the what now? The pudding pops, the bacon burger dogs, Theo. I'm doing Bill Cosby references right now. I don't think that's allowed anymore. Yeah, I'm <laughs> starting to get tired. Are we going to have to censor that? Jeebo will determine. 
He's just going to beep and boop. All right. Uh, then he looks back at Cassette, and he's like, yeah, he's doing the his, head nod. Like, yeah. come on, sit down, sit down. And, and she's like, what? You said we would never do this a couple yeah. of years ago. What? No way. His eyes looked angry as fuck when he was doing that, though. Yeah, but only I Cassette could read. I think that's just his eyes. Only Cassette could read it. That's what I thought was interesting, too, Spades. Uh, if he didn't say anything, and he really hardly, I don't even know if he nodded. He might have had a slight thing, but, like, she just knew. He was. Nah, he his was whole sitting head there. Was like kind of twisted. He, was, he turned towards her, but yeah, he was. He was sitting there, just still playing, and he's just like, "Fucking no one can, no one can." Hear I know. I was. I was. <laughs> I was motioning that to Franny, but he wasn't paying me no mind. Yeah, Sundere. Yeah, you know, look back at my computer. Baka. Sorry, I don't have a good hover. Oh damn! States. Come on, man. You got to remind me how much fun. Dude, I, I am crying over this episode. I don't need to cry over you too, homie. And some uplifting jazzy stuff, and this is the this is the sing 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 song, yeah. right? Dun, dun, yep. dun, 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 you know what's dun, really dun, cool about this though, like swing dancing, is like it's a very romantic type of dance to like that upbeat, lively music. Yeah, it's rare. And so he like motions her to sit down, and that's what they go into. Oh shit! They're like musically dancing together. Oh my god! I also I just want to shout out the animators for staring at hands for so long. And, and doing all the animation on the hands playing the piano. Because it is the finest of animation I've ever seen. And hands are, like, notoriously hard to draw. So doing yeah. that over and over again to get the fine pianist movements that you need. The and then to presses. do that for four hands in one go. Like, yeah. mind-numbing. Like, they can't even look at their own hands afterward. Well, I remember Space Kook explaining to us after a podcast how difficult it is to draw hands because he's an artist. Everyone knows how hands are drawn. The thumbs all the way out, and then there's just four round nubs underneath the arm. Those are hands. Well, that's also <laughs> why tattoo artists don't like doing hands. Ah, all right. So it's an art trope. Yeah, but it, th- they kill it though. They kill it. Yeah, that yeah, that's sick to point out actually. And yeah, cassette has fantasized about this what what do they call it they playing forehand or aka piano duet on the same mm-hmm. stool forehanded yeah and and uh because they discussed it in the garage and he, what what did he say at the time he, he said like, no way in your dreams yeah got cuties <sighs> and now they're doing it right before some shit's about to happen okay it's battle time everybody are you ready no i'm not are you ready. ready for battle time I'm, I'm not ready can we like listen to the song again uh, Someone hit the aye aye captain button. Oh! <laughs> Who sits on the stage and plays the piano with cassette? Oh, man! <laughs> that was great. Are we going to get copyrighted? No, no it's that, that was it's all original. Tax of destiny. Um, yeah, transformation time, baby. And uh, shit, dude. I've only, I've only seen sadder transformations in one other show. And that's Madoka Magic, I think. Uh, no, this was really the actual sad trans. We got to well, talk about what happened that, before the transit. Before that. Oh, yeah. After they got done playing well, their song, she stands up and grabs him and, like, raises his arm up, like, oh, you know, yeah. Like, the, the crowd loves you. Yeah, you, and they then, got a standing ovation because there was no seats, but still. But when they were playing that song, that little rock necklace she had was glowing. Yep. The no way. Time. Are you yep. serious? Yeah, it was. Yep. yep. Dude. The whole time. And I noticed it at the end 
like when when she stood up the first time I watched it, but when I watched it again today, I noticed it was like glowing the whole time they were playing. That's dude, they're doing they're killing this. Yeah. Oh my god. Dude, so just the music was the magic that activated the stone. Dude, like this... I said in the first review, dude, I told you the music arts are from the stones. That first fell to earth before the meteorite do. And that is like a beautiful gold-like rock, too. Yep. Oh, yeah, because the, the black ones are the evil one. Uh-huh. Right, right. And the, and the ones that came first were like tiny stones. Oh, I didn't know that much. Yeah. Well, you geologist. I, I, like, like Pink said, the stone was glowing the whole time. I thought it was just something that was given out to people to like show that there are D2s in the area. Well, we don't know. We don't know yeah. what like how she got that, but I'm assuming it's from her mother because she keeps talking about her mother, and maybe her mother was like involved with the s- research on the stones, and like that's how she ended up dying. Like, well, I mean, I'm assuming we'll find out, but this is what I think oh, they're foreshadowing will. to us. Yeah, that's that is interesting, Spade. So uh, as far as my speculation go it's either because there are dt nearby because you know they're playing they're killing it with the mm-hmm. music the more passionate the the more powerful the signal or it could be because of the good side of the music like her powering up we don't know we're gonna find out could be both could be both now also something else i want to point out really too is right when the attack happens you get that like slow frame of her like almost getting like sense of it like she's like looking directly at the oncoming danger but she also tries to grab tact and pull him out of the way mm-hmm. uh, real quick i don't know if you have this down for any but like if you notice right as they started playing uh the grand piano maestro uh he pulls off in the car as soon as they start playing he he yeah. looks. Oh, that did happen. Yep. I remember. That. I remember that, that's, that's my second point of they were up to some bullshit. I feel me personally. I feel like they were trying to create another musically. I keep saying fucking musically. Of catastrophe. Wait, musical girl. God musical damn girl. it, Spades! It is twenty twenty one. TikTok has not been musically for like three years. I, I know. I. Trust me, I fucking know. I Dude, want TikTok boomer. every day. What do you want? Oh, he's <laughs> just probably, he's like uh, Tokyo um, Revengered up, dude. He's like time traveling all the time. Yo, TIP TikTok when? <laughs> oh man, but fucking never. <laughs> as soon as as soon as they start playing, he issues his driver to like, all right, time to go. Like he knew some shit was going down. Yeah, you can see I it in the way like that. he closed yeah. his eyes and leaned his head back too. He's like, ah, oh, this is such good music. I can't wait for people to fucking die and me to get more political power. And then it it backtracks a little bit to the blonde dude. You better protect everyone. It, it, the mm-hmm. show doesn't backtrack to it. No, no, no. no I, like, I'm saying like, you did. Yeah, because we were we were talking about. Oh, it. Oh yeah, because you guys watched it together. Yeah, that's interesting because I I noticed they even showed a second scene of him sitting in his car after right. that. So like, yeah, should just. Really get that in there. That's dude. They're doing such good stuff with this. Oh my god, this comp, the series composition guy. I got to find out who he is by the end of this podcast. And honestly, the more we're talking about it, the more I'm liking this episode. I was I was indifferent about it, but now I'm like, all right, everything fucking lines up perfectly. I already knew. I probably should have said it in the beginning. I mean, you know, by the timestamp by now, or the, uh, this one's gonna run long mm-hmm. because there's a lot to break down, and that we didn't realize that the first one was just kind of like a showcase. Very much so. Like, And this one, it's got a lot of beef in it. Uh, yeah, so we're stalling before the sad part, obviously. If you didn't notice, 
uh, they get bombarded by some huge fucking energy beam interrupted in, in, in a beautiful, incredible climax of a scene. Very much like in the first episode mm-hmm. as they're taking their balance stage. Yep. And I don't know the symbolism with this yet. Maybe it's not revealed, but this is when Tact loses his arm. Or at least it gets it gets mangled. It's pretty much yeah. like dangling off of him. Well, I think that's all of this makes a lot of sense once the next thing happens. Um I re- what a, she said, Oh man. So he's holding her. It's it, you know, the dust is settled. He's holding her. Cause she she got hit too, trying to get him out of there. Yeah, she took the the brunt of it because she was trying to protect him. It's like that gentleman rule where like you uh, always stand on the side of the street as a woman. Maybe she yeah. had something to do with that because she had she did sense something, you know. So maybe yeah. who knows? But yeah, she's lying there unconscious. I'm like, is she dead? She can't be dead. And he's like holding her like, no, like fucking Lion King again. <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> you know, tact has. P- Tact has hard PTSD. Like, his dad alone was a big trigger for him. That would have triggered, yeah, that, the same scene. He's reliving that shit. It's but horrible. But now, like... With someone he finally made the connection with mm-hmm. over years. Like, he probably might realize, like, dude, she, she was my biggest fan. You can't go now. I didn't get to say thank you. Like, god damn That's it, That's what bro. he was basically realizing the whole time. Um, Tact being all sad and passionate, holding her dead ass in his arms. And he says, you can't die. You said we would sing together one day. And I'm like, hmm. I said this a Lego earlier. I'm like, this is the first time they mentioned singing, especially tact. Yeah. But like, okay, so like, is the show like telling us, like, hey, get ready for some singing. We're going to get some singing. I don't know. That was cool, but we. I hope so. It'd be cool. Uh, I'd be all right with it. Either way, it's just fucking sad, dude. They didn't even got to sing together. That's something to look forward to. That is like a goal for the end of this plot. Uh, it's the first time singing was mentioned. I thought that was notable. Her mother's necklace activates, and uh, what jam? Magical girl transformation. Yep. Uh, so, before that, doesn't she say something? Yeah, she says, uh, "Oh, uh, I got it." Yeah, she says, "I really do love the way you play piano, tact," and then passes out, passes away. Yeah. Uh, uh, dude, tears in my eyes. Does she, does she yeah. say that in episode one? I don't know. I, either way, I think it's really notable, and they did that for a reason. And why that impacted you so hard is because I don't know. That's that, that's like on the forefront of her mind as she's dying. She needed to tell him that. Not thinking about her mother or like no. her what life flashing before her eyes, no. or how or how much she loves him or whatever's. It's the like, best moment of her life just happened. Just hearing hearing him play, and play passionately, together. and yeah, and then being able to join in and creating something beautiful, dance with him, and then prove to him that his music could absolutely motivate a crowd yes. the way she knew it would too. Yeah, and that garage conversation, mm-hmm. bro. Yeah, I mean, he said that he doesn't think his music would reach people's hearts. Well, it fucking reached hers. It reached that whole venue's hearts. Yeah, yeah. That's like. Take a second to talk about the piano too, because that thing got fucked. Oh, the Grand P, the GP, dude. Yeah. GP. Oh, I mean, um, cassette getting hurt was was the most important thing, but there goes Tax Piano. It, that is not even like an option in his head at that moment either. Yeah. That's how you know he cares about her, right? Because all he cared about was the piano yeah. beforehand. Yeah. So Tact is strung up and binded with vines. Uh, where 
but a fiery spirit kind of emerges out of Cassette's corporeal body and approaches Tack and bites his injured arm. Like, bites it clear off. And you see Cassette do it, too, because she's also, like, bound up by, like, the vines coming out of the jam. Yeah, her whole body is binded. Oh, yeah. okay. So, so there's some symbolism connection. Shezel. There's mm-hmm. thorns on the vines. Uh, and it's That's a seal reference, you know? Every rose has its thorns. Oh, I thought it was a Yu-Gi-Oh reference. The Black seal? Rose Dragon. Isn't that, yeah. isn't that poison? No, I'm pretty sure that was Seal. Oh, no, I'm sh- thinking of Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I don't think Seal has any memorable songs. So There was never Seal of Love. There was only a Rock of Love. I thought it was a flavor. You don't remember a Rock of Love with Brett Michaels? No. I remember that one. He's the one that sings this, this song, Every Rose Has a Thorn. Yeah, I clearly didn't even know. Yeah, we got to do our something. flavor of love breakdown one of these days on the podcast. <laughs> what the Honestly, people need. Sesimal has it all on DVD collection. That's all a good digest. Like that. That is what the people need. You're right, dude. This is one part where they find a shit on the floor, and one of the girls like shit on the floor, like it fell out of her dress, and, and Flav is like, "Oh my god, somebody pooped on my floor." <laughs> and they're like trying to what? find out who it was, and it goes like, ah. and then they find out who, and she like. You know, it has that, like that interview switches to them in like an interview state and them talking about the sequence that happened. And then Pumpkin spit on New York, remember that? And no. Pum- and then New York's like, her spit smelled like she just ate somebody's ass or something. It was it's great. This show's great. Uh, okay, so continue. <laughs> no, I want With more play. play. Uh, get back to tact. Yeah, no. To our yeah, two main you. characters, one of them dying and the other one being yeah. strong. All right, yeah, yeah, we're really please. trying to. The real contestants of Flavor of Love. So I thought this like fiery spirit was really uh something. And then roses appear all around this fiery spirit fiery spirit form and then out blossoms the cassette that we met in episode one. The magical girl cassette, aka perhaps destiny is what we shall call her for now on when she is in this form. At least That's what it seems like. That's a whole different person. Yeah. Personalities are so different. So my theory is that Cassette died, and then this spirit that came up is Destiny. And in episode one, all we see is Destiny, because Cassette's dead, and that's why they need to go to New York to fix her. That makes a lot of sense. To get original Cassette back, because obviously her body's still there, and like, even when she's not in transformed mode and she's like regular dressed down cassette, she still has the the red eye shadow and, and like, she still acts like a person like a who Yeah, like a not not a human. And even in the at the very end of uh season or sorry, episode one, when after they beat the big battle and she's like staring at the donuts or whatever and she's making fun of donuts for having holes, she she makes fun of like humans saying like oh humans like are so weird with calories and stuff that they don't put hole- like they put a hole in your donut yep and so she's talking about humans as if she's not a human which i think is because she's that spirit that you saw that came out of the stone we have the same cuz that was my theory too cuz i'm like uh, she died that that was totally a mortal wound she had her last words and everything and then Literally made a wish on a gem. Yeah. Boom. And I I love that you learn why he loses the arm every time they transform. And that's because that was what was injured during the attack. 
and that's what the roses grabbed or like the vines grabbed. That's what and she that's bit what the, off. That's what the spirit ate. Yeah. So it's like that's where the magical energy is coming from. That was the sacrifice because it's not like he could use it anyways. I was he, gonna say like, which it, is so perfect. Some Full Metal Alchemist vibes. Yeah. You exchange, you get a life. I'll take your arm. Love that shit. Like at least she was nice enough to take the mangled up one. Right. Right. Like, right. Thank you. Thank you. Cause could you imagine if she took the other one? Yeah, that would be some sadistic shit. That'd be some bullshit. Makes you wonder what hell bit off. Yeah, I'm wondering Gosh. like <laughs> no. I'm wondering if all the other music art maestro pairs have a similar tragic backstory, where it's like they were both like the music art. Does does the music art have to be on the verge of death to get the initial transformation? Like, there's so many questions I have now. That's a good. That's a good point. It. I'm trying to think of the anime that has a similar premise where in order for something to happen they need some sort of emotional climax well we were just talking about full metal alchemist about how it's like the equal exchange equal yeah equivalent equivalent exchange, exchange yeah which i think is very like similar it's like you have to give something to get this power but emotionally i don't know if there's one like that yeah i guess we're in store for uh a backstory like this for each and every one of these new teams. I would love that. That would be really sweet. That Might could be really cool. Yeah, dude. Uh, Soul Eater vibes. Mm-hmm. So, like, <clears throat> every pair has to have some sort of emotional bond. That's what we're assuming. I, I can fuck with it. I'm, I like it. That... So, so it's like the tiny little girl with the long red pigtails and, like, With the, the big, big buff dude with the it, belly is shirt. Is that Blackstar and Tsubaki? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, I <laughs> hope so. Maybe. But yeah, it'll be cool because we see these two personalities. And I'm like, man, I wonder how these two got together, much like Tact and uh, Cassette. And then we're, like, we're going to be in for some shit and we're going to get our minds blown. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Where where was Frenny Pack before we went to the bedroom? Um, we were just talking about the like spirit coming out of the body. And I was explaining. DMT? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, uh, we both had the same theory that Cassette actually died, and Destiny is whatever was inside that little gem. And Destiny kind of just like I like that now theory. is living there. God damn it, I like that. And uh, uh, we have some extra things that we mentioned about that Lego in a little, in, just about now, but in a little bit. But it had me curious because, like, all right, the fiery form, uh, covered in roses, blossoms, outcomes, magical girl. I want to see a flower aesthetic for like each. Maybe yeah, I wonder that, if they're different flowers. For, yeah, for the, all the music cards, perhaps. Maybe. I mean, it makes sense that like the roses came out and then her transformation is all about roses. So, yeah. oh, also another cool thing too that it just I I forgot to mention it before when we were talking about the transformation. But do you remember the noise that happened as soon as like she, the the fiery spirit and all the vines went right back into her body. Was it she that jingle? Suit? That it piano that jingle? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, what? oh my god! Did it really? Yeah, that's. I have to go back and watch that. That's so awesome. It did that. So that was like the third time in a row that happened, and every single time is them interrupting each other. Like Tax currently having a breakdown. Boom! No, you're not. She was on the piano. Boom! No, you're not. He was on the piano. No, you're not. Yeah, interrupting each other or uh, saving each other. That. 
that too. Yeah, same thing. Both actions. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so like the flower. Maybe we'll see that. Maybe we won't. Uh, all the the flower stack for each music art and their transformation. But but they both have an eye color change, and they both are yes. matching blue. Yep. Like blue. sky blue, shiny. Eyes. But then there's like this other like shine to them. Like the magic power has awakened within them. Yeah. The shining mangekyo shining. That little piano jingle when Tact loses his arm. And I, I said, that. I wonder if they will have a little jingle for every music heart during their transformations, reflecting the the maestro's instrument of choice because it was a little diddle-loop. Like piano keys. Okay. When it, when he loses his arm, it happens in the first episode too, and I think it happens in like a PV or something like that. Uh, when his arm goes away, his sleeve yeah. does his wiggle, and then uh, Cassette or Destiny throws him the conductor wand. Uh, you hear that ring every time, so I'm like, oh, we gonna hear like some wow for the for the rock guitar hell shit or something like that. Some dude's gonna scratch a record. Yo, yo, hey, killer bees, dude. Oh my god. I'm getting so fucking hyped. I need it. Uh, so, all right. Let's get to it. So, Cassette is different now. Cassette might be dead. We don't know. Uh, now she is the one that we recognized and got to know during episode one. Uh, this is probably the tuning or getting Cassette checked out that they mentioned three times in different ways in episode one. Yeah. It might be, we got to get her to New York to the... Symphonica administrative offices or that HQ or whatever and ask them like why the hell has this girl changed like why does she I mean she even mentioned what does she say humans eat weird in episode yeah, one when yep, she's eating yeah, the donut about that yeah too. I said that before well, I have that exacto quote you read that to me what was it why do humans invest so much technique and passion into the act of, of acquiring nutrients so okay she's calling us humans she's not the cheery positive caring girl that we met in this flashback that they knew their whole lives she's different now yep. so getting her fixed getting to new york getting her checked out it's probably like yo where's cassette like what happened you know so i thought that was cool to answer that one right away yeah that was easily i feel like that was easily forgettable too uh yeah she's like a she's kind of like seems like a humunculus at this point yes. speaking of the fate series with the servants and masters yes uh, you know, very robotic, an unorthodox girl, like different than the cassette we got to know during this episode, and it's very pathetic of the show to have cassette's final moment being with tact and her playing the the most cheery, positive, full of life duet forehand on the grand piano, just to get killed. That was pathetic, and uh, that was the. The theme song of this show, of this episode, and that I'm like, damn, pity, yeah, holy shit, yeah, that that was the symbolism in this show is just off the charts. I love it so much. I'm so happy we have chose this to to break down and talk about from week to week, especially because like we're even assuming about these other music cards, and we can't even Google what they look like nah, in the manga because it's an original. It's so cool. So we can make legitimate guesses and stuff like this. Is just it's awesome. So great. I'm telling you right now, this is the second best magical girl anime. Yeah, I've, at least. I, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm triggering. I'm gonna stop. It's, it's my number one because I haven't seen Madoka Magica. So I like that that song that they played, "Sing, Sing, Sing." It's full of life, and hers was snuffed out right after that. Yep. After she made a good time living 
playing miserable songs. She plays one happy song and it's not happy anymore. And I think this also makes so much sense why Tact in episode one is so depressed. Because it's only one month later. Like, he just saw Kazette die. Yeah. After finding out that she, like, was his biggest fan, right? Like, she told on her, on her deathbed. Then he gets thrown into this composer music art role that I don't think he wants to do. Because no. in episode one, he keeps making fun of music art, saying that they're useless and annoying. And he just wants Kazette back. And he can't because she's dead. Yeah, he might not even realize that himself yet, but yeah, it's true. I agree. That's what he needs. That's his. That's his solvent. Solvent solution potion. I mean, I'm the type of guy who Remedy. collects all the potions in a yeah, video game one. because I think I'm gonna need them later, but then never use them. Oh, I and then I shits. then I win the game with all the potions, never using them. Yeah, yeah you I, gotta sell them. Make make bank off them so you could just buy a better sword later. Well, well, hopefully Tack can do that. Yeah, so all I have left is they're, they're standing together in their new form as Magikarp and Maestro, ready to fight, facing off the D2, and then the ED rolls in. Bro, his face. Mm. Yeah, I've the... only seen Rage like this a few times before. Like, dude's fucking livid. We saw it in that quick scene at the end where he hit the finish, finishing blow. On the D2 from episode one. Yeah. That's like the Very dark similar. background, the blue wind coming around, flying his hair, his eyes really glowing, and him just being full of life, rage. He actually yeah. like runs in, too, which was like, that was what more driving. <laughs> like, that was more drive. This, this is just sheer. Well, I feel like that was... wasn't just drive. I feel like that was, I'm not going to lose cassette again. It was like the same, now, knowing now. It was like the same art. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was more exaggerating, like extreme. In this the details episode. may have been different. It was the same art, like it was the same background, same cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stylistically, very similar, or if not the same. Yeah, so that's all Franny P has. I mean, you guys, what are you guys thinking? I'm just excited for the next one, man. Like, like I said, this is the type of episode that answered a lot of our questions from episode one, but presented us with new ones. And I'm just itching to find out more. I think I have the synopsis for uh, episode three. Oh, shit, you have it already? Yeah, they uh, feature it in this article. Let's go. Let's Shout go. out, Carol. Uh, Yo, our girl Carol back at it again. Episode three of Tactop Destiny will air on October 19th at 2400 JST. Figure that one out. Uh, the subtitle version will stream an hour later on Crunchyroll and VRV. Uh, you can also watch it on Any One. And Amazon in select regions. If you so, if you have VPN, you're booing. You don't need an anime uh, streaming service like Crunchyroll or VRV. If you enjoy it, don't forget to vote on our weekly poll. No, thank you, but thank you. Uh, set in New York City, so we're gonna Yo. see New York right now in 2047. So present day. Let's go. The world was was destroyed in a war with the mysterious monster D2. All right, it's referring to one, but it might be a translation, which was created out of the Black Knight meteorite too. That fell from the sky. Magical girls, aka music hearts. They literally say magical girls in this, in this synopsis for episode three. I was right. Fight against the monster while being led by the conductor. Their goal is to bring back music to the world. Okay. That so wait, the only thing that we get out of that is that it might be set in New York that episode. Yeah, 
Which is cool because that's maybe it's like they actually make it, and or do you think it's going to be like meanwhile in New York? Yeah, I think it's just still working on that world building setting, letting us know what's happening at the place that they're heading to right now. I think they can build a lot of suspense because we know what they're getting into and they don't yet. Yeah, maybe we meet the big. We'll sis. probably Plus. meet big. Uh, yeah, Lottie and her maestro. Plus, like with that group. And Anna being the only one to go, guys, we got to get to New York. I feel like another day or, or another episode of or two of them on the road is almost necessary. Yeah, I agree. They can't just be like, oh, we oh, need we to go totally to New York. We totally got there without, you know, making any pit stops at a Waffle House to ruin a whole other restaurant. <laughs> uh, sounds familiar, Pink. I'd not ruin that restaurant. I swear. <laughs> on our way back from Dragon Con, we stopped at a Waffle House. What was Pink it, like, had to. He gave me no was choice. It, was it 3 a.m.? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was Actually, say, it was. You're not allowed into a Waffle House unless it's past 2 a.m. So. And we got uh, peanut butter waffles, right? Yeah. And I blew that toilet up in you there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, I, I did not ruin that toilet. That bathroom. Sorry, Nanners. Yeah, but all right. So it's it says Tacked Up Destiny Episode 3 release date. And then underneath that, it says synopsis. So don't quote me. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But I'm pretty sure the synopsis... It might be given the synopsis for the overall show, but it seems like it's the one for episode three. So New York, I'm hyped. I hope that's what it is. I want I want more of these questions answered, and I think it'll give us some. We're going to New York, people. Is it New York, baby? Where's Eddie Murphy at? Uh, Is it going to be like another time skip episode, like showing us what was going on in New York? It says in 2047 in the synopsis. I hope one of the music cards they they have shown us that they can skip around during a show without confusing us too much. Yeah. Oh, no, I was hella fucking confused this episode. Yeah, that's why, <laughs> that's why you guys got Franny back here, baby. I really you... wasn't confused. I understood, like, she's pulling up a flyer years after the dude's dad died, and it's like, oh, I'm not going. Uh, he's like, oh, I'm not going. And then all of a sudden, what was the, the quote-unquote next day? No, that was... Yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't see that it was, like, a time difference between that because they're like, oh, like, let's go to this show, and then it's six years later, the show comes. Okay. So <laughs> like, that was, to me, very confusing. I'm comparing it to 86, that. which was really confusing. This was still confusing, yes. And, yeah, Pink, I had the re- – I'm like, wait a minute. And I rewinded it, looked at the poster in that scene, the otaku house phase, and I'm like, oh, it's just 247, and she's referencing the future. So, it, yeah, you have to – yeah. Kind of, it seems because like the characters you... don't change between the six years. Yeah, that... the character designs they kind of stay the same. Like just the personalities change right. though. I don't think Kazette gets any bigger, and she's the smallest person. So to me, it was like very confusing on that respect. That's why I thought it was just like the next day it's there. I mean, I started noticing this more when I watched it again today. That's what but, I was thinking, dude. Yeah. yeah. It, it seems like you got to watch it like twice to fully understand this the, episode, the time. Definitely this episode. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I, so, and I didn't even realize until the, I watched this episode that it was even giving us dates and times. So that's when I like went back to the first episode to see if there was one. And that's when we found it was September 3rd. Yeah. It's either in the top of the screen or the top left of the screen. But I mean, we watched it. We all watched it twice. So you guys don't have to. All the hair members sitting at home I mean, listening. Feel free to though. Like, speak for yourself. I've seen that shit. Better once. ways to. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot worse ways to waste your time. I just want to find out that music, not music, the series composition. 
but maybe it seems like it's not listed, and that might be because that's a role only needed for uh, adaptations. Right, yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. I would assume that it's just the writer and director working together then. Ah, it's interesting. Okay, maybe we can uh, look into that more with some time and bring it to the people on episode three. Yeah. Because someone's someone's got it. We got to give credit to whoever. Yeah, Uh, because it's it's it's, phenomenal. So well written already. Yeah, dude. uh, It's going to be climbing in rank on my anime list. I should have kept track of it. Maybe there is a way to look back at the records, but man. Right now it's at a 8.15, rank 363, popularity 955, and that's out of all anime. About the five-star right now. So, about to watch it grow. I hope it does, because it damn well deserves it. And yo, thanks for sticking around this long. Yeah. Everybody. That's big preach. Yeah, it's big-ass preaches. We preach you. And uh, we love you, Spades. We Thank really you. do. Yeah. Even if Franny can be a little meanie. Yeah. It's okay. My I, for, s- I forgive him. My soon that I harem is rubbing off on me a little bit. I can't I can't see you up there. Apparently you're six foot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just your average six foot fifteen year old with like a four foot wide set of shoulders yeah, and a harem. Um, super jacked. Okay, you're just gonna tell everyone my last name live? Franny Joestar. <laughs> I was like, wow. "Oh fuck!" Who actually? Said You're just it. describing <laughs> a JoJo's protagonist, and uh, I guess I was too. So I thought your last name was Pack. No. <laughs> Franny Pack. Uh, that, that was too. That was way funnier than it should have been. <laughs> my, my middle name is Loud. Franny Loud Pack. Oh, wow! Because Kush. <laughs> so are we done? I want to smoke a bogey. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, me too. Let's go, Spades. Fuck yeah. these lizards. That's and that's Spades' catchphrase, and uh, catch y'all next time. <laughs>